And this was after three days racing above 14,000 feet, nonstop, no sleep, you know, three days into it. And then we get to this hut at 15,000 feet and realize, dear sweet baby Jesus, we now have to summit this 19,700 foot active volcano. And, and then you know, return to this hut before we ride 250 more miles on our, on our bikes and paddle three days to the finish line. It was nine days for the win. Welcome to Mic Drop, the podcast for professional speakers. We cover the ins and outs of the business, helping you deliver more impact on bigger stages at higher fees. You'll gain an inside edge through intimate conversations with the world's most successful keynote speakers. Mic Drop is brought to you by eSpeakers. I'm your host, Josh Linkner. Get ready for some inspiring mic drop moments together. Today's show is sponsored by Impact 11, formerly known as Three Ring Circus, the best and most diverse and inclusive community built for training and developing professional speakers. They're not just elevating an industry we know and love. They work with hundreds of speakers to launch and scale their speaking businesses, earning tens of millions in speaking fees, landing bureau representation, securing book deals, and rising to the top of the field. To learn more and schedule a free intro call, visit impact11.com. That's impactelevene.com. Mic Drop is produced and presented by eSpeakers. If you want more audiences and organizations to be moved and changed by your message, you owe it to yourself to find out why thousands of top experts use eSpeakers to manage and grow their business. When you use eSpeakers, you'll feel confident about your business, package yourself up for success, and be able to focus on what matters most to you and your business. For more information and a free 30-day trial, visit eSpeakers.com forward slash mic drop. That's eSpeakers.com forward slash mic drop. On today's show, I sit down with the incredible Robin Benincasa. Talk about a badass. Robin is a world champion adventure racer, a 2014 CNN hero, a Guinness World Record endurance kayaker, a New York Times bestselling author, and a 23-year veteran San Diego firefighter. And her work in the speaking business is just as impressive. She's been named one of the top 50 keynote speakers in the world, the number one female speaker for Meetings.net, and one of the top 10 speakers featured by Harvard Business Review. She's been delivering over 100 keynotes a year for the last 15 years and remains one of the highest demand speakers in the world. In today's conversation, Robin shares the surprising truth that in difficult moments, we can gain stability by writing faster. She also shares what keynote speakers can learn from extreme performance teams in firefighting, adventure racing, and even philanthropy. Robin shares how to flip our setbacks into comebacks, and also how to cultivate just a handful of key relationships that can drive our speaking businesses to the next level. She also takes us to an altitude of three and a half miles up a mountain in Ecuador, to a 90-mile extreme hike in Zion National Park, and a 120-mile endurance kayak ride from Key Largo all the way to Key West, all in the name of leadership, performance, and impact world-class endurance athlete, 
firefighter, best-selling author, philanthropist, and powerhouse keynote speaker. Robin Benincasa, welcome to Mic Drop. Woohoo! Glad to be here, my friend. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So um, I have admired you for, for many years, uh, not only in your stage skills, but what, what incredible background that you have. Adventurer, firefighter, uh, philanthropic uh, contributor. Maybe just take us back a little bit on, on what you were all about before you got into public speaking. Oh, gosh. Um, well, really, I was all about just being good in school, being good at my sports um, gosh, I was a bajillion sport athlete growing up, <laughs> like gymnastics, diving, track, cross country, uh, triathlons, judo, adventure racing, um, sort of sort of jack of, of all sports, master of master of none. And um, and after that, I kind of got into speaking totally, totally by accident. Never, ever set out to be a speaker like at all. Um, it was a full accident on <laughs> <laughs> on the universe's part. <laughs> and here we are. So can you help us understand that? So you went from, you know, adventure racer, which that's one thing, but then, you know, by accident, you become a speaker. How did that accident unfold? Well, it was one of those, um, you know how they say luck happens in those moments where opportunity meets preparation. <laughs> so it turns out that our preparation as world champion adventure racers um, kind of lent itself to being noticed by Fast Company magazine. And so the accident happened when Fast Company magazine got in touch with us after we won the world championships in Ecuador. And they're like, you know, we're doing an article called Extreme Teamwork. And our mission is to take a, a look at some of the world's most consistently high performing extreme teams and see what we can learn from you guys and apply to fast moving companies. And so they kind of interviewed our team and a team from NASA and Industrial Light and Magic and, you know, that kind of you know, and I think it was a team of Navy SEALs and they sort of distilled down what the essence of our teamwork and leadership was and then shared that with the readers of Fast Company magazine. Yada, yada, yada. For all you Seinfeld fans, um, I, <laughs> I, uh, I ended up on stage at their reader conference called Real Time. And they wanted someone from that article, which I guess is very popular to come and speak to their readers. And I literally drew the short straw, like, cause everyone on my team are like total introverts, including me. And they're like, well, somebody has to do it. And so, you know, it rolled right downhill onto me. Like it does in the fire department, the newest member of the team, all the, all the, you know, what rolls right downhill onto them. So there I was, I ended up creating this presentation called the essential elements of human synergy about you know, how how one plus one can equal, you know, 25 when you have an incredible team and a world class team. And I, um, I, I thought I was going to die before I got on stage. And luckily for me, there was his own vice president from Starbucks in the audience. I mean, talk about luck. And uh, so he came up to me after the presentation and said, like, do you know of Starbucks? Have you worked at Starbucks? Do you know people that have worked at Starbucks? And I was like, no. He goes, well, this is exactly what we try to share. This vibe, this energy, this intent, this culture is exactly what we try to, to you know, help all of our store managers deeply embrace and understand. And I want you to go across my entire zone and talk to all of our store managers. There, there with a venti cup of caffeine and, and you were off. And approximately what year was that? Our year of the Lord. Um, many listeners were not born at this point in time. <laughs> that was uh, 99, I think. 
Yeah. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I know, you know, fast forward to today, you're one of the most successful speakers out there. Uh, you do a hundred plus engagements a year for some of the largest organizations in the world. Um, what, what can speakers learn from extreme team performance? Obviously you apply that to Starbucks and other big companies, but, but what about individual speakers like you and I that are out there on the front lines, hustling the business, trying to make it work? What can we learn from, from what you teach on stage? Oh my gosh. So many things. Um, I think the the power of having a great team around you is so incredibly important. I know in the beginning, we sort of all tried to do all of this ourselves and we all kind of dabbled in, okay, well, I'm going to be my own agent. I'm going to do my own PR. I'm going to do all my social media. I'm going to, you know, send out my pitch docs. I'm going to do visits to the bureaus. You know, it's, it's literally like a full-time job when, when you take this on. And I think, it's really important to find people that have skills and background and experience that you may not have so that you can focus on your content and creating an incredible presentation and you know ensuring that you're great on stage and that you create amazing content and you know let other people do what they do best which is like I can't pitch myself you know there's no freaking way like there's no way I'm going to get on a phone and tell somebody how awesome I am <laughs> You know, so I have to have a manager slash agent to, you know, pinch it for me about about why my presentation is impactful and what it's going to do for their audience. And I think also creating teammates with the bureau agents as well. Like it's really important to you don't have to have every bureau agent in the world, you know, on your side. You got to have a handful. If you have 10 ish great people who you're on the top of their um, top of their mind all the time that that makes a career. And so, you know, kind of thinking about who else can I bring onto my team and how do I how do I create a world class team with all of these other people who have talents and strengths and background that I don't have so I can focus on my part, which is the content and being great on stage. What does your team look like today? I have many, many teams. (laughs) I have my team at the uh, at the fire station. Um, I have my team at Project Athena, uh, which is my nonprofit. And um, we can talk about that later if you want. And um, I am not uh, racing at the top of my game anymore after having six hip replacements. Don't get me started. Uh, Oh, you got a lot of hips. (laughs) I just ran out of cartilage. And then when I, I mean, the world championships, I literally fell onto the ground. I, I had used my last ounce of cartilage in, in wow. one of my hips and my teammates picked me up, took my pack. And for the next three days, I had to move forward through the course with a string around my leg so that I could like physically pull it forward. Cause it wouldn't pull forward on its own. And I thought, God, I just ripped my hip flexor or something. And, uh, I got home and, and discovered like that I had stage four osteoarthritis in both hips. And that's how I became an endurance paddler. <laughs> So, so that's what I've been doing the last few years. What is your, so I'm actually really curious about all those teams and I do want to speak about them, but just as we're saying on the topic for speaking for a second of speaking, what does your speaking team look like? Are, are you, you have a team internally? Are you managed? Do you have a bureau partnership? How does, how does the, the Robin Benincasa speaking team look? It's amazing right now. I'm, I'm super stoked. I've, I've had all kinds of combinations over the years. Uh, I had, an independent manager at first, then I had another independent manager. Then I went um, exclusive with 
big speak, uh, which was amazing. They're wonderful people. And um, and their salespeople are, are super top notch. And then a couple of years ago, I went back to an independent agent model again. So right now I am working with um, one of my best pals who's an independent agent um, named Shannon Downey at Six Degrees Speakers. And I sucked in one of my best friends for the last 23 years, who is the most amazing freaking detail person, you know, as as the planning side of it. Like this kid down to the detail will tell you exactly where you're going, what your flight number is, what your car number is, when you're stopping, when you're going, when you're talking, when you're sleeping. <laughs> She's amazing at like building, you know, the and organizing, you know, the events. And then I have my husband, Jeff, who creates all the slides and actually runs my presentation from the back of the room, which allows me to have that incredible flexibility to never do the same presentation twice. Because I'm not just like clicking forward to the next slide. He is actually listening to me most of the time <laughs> and he'll go wherever, like wherever I decide to go. And he knows, like, if I introduce a certain video, he'll go to that. Or if I if I skip topics or move around or go on a little mini sidebar, um, he follows me. So it's really fun because I don't have to ever do the same presentation twice. And if my brain's taking me in a certain direction for a certain group, um, you know, I, I can just roll with it. So between those three amazing people and I do all my own travel, you know, a lot of people have a travel person, but mine is so ridiculous that I'm literally doing travel an hour a day, probably like rearranging flights, redoing flights. And, and I feel like I have to do that myself, but we have a, a, a small, but mighty awesome team. And then I have my amazing, you know, handful of agents, you know, that are, that are with multiple different speakers bureaus who God bless them. You know, I'm, I'm at the top of their mind, you know, all the time. And I mean, I would say I have about 12 people that book me super regularly and a bunch more that it's just onesies, twosies. But, you know, again, it's that 10 or 12, if you can get them in your corner, you know, you don't have to get everybody. You just have to get a few huge fans. Well, it's so well said. And as, a, as an expert in, in extreme performance teams, um, you're, you're exactly right. You don't, you don't need hundreds. You need a couple of very, you know, deep connections. Uh, I was struck by the fact that your, your husband listens to you. I think my wife Tia would pay to not listen to me just knowing her about uh, <laughs> I can't that's believe for another he still day. does it. <laughs> Bless Sounds like a very generous soul. Oh, God bless him. He shows up. He does the <laughs> AV checks. He sits with the crew. He's got the headsets on. He brings all his dangles and dongles and dingles. And I mean, because the last thing I want to worry about personally is, is my presentation, like the, you know, the, the AV side of it going to get jacked up. And, you know, or do I, oh, I have to break with the audience to walk over to the podium, click something and go to the next slide? Or is my little thingy slide clicker working? Or is the guy in the back even paying attention? Or do I even want to go to the next slide? I want to skip and do something else. You know, I, I'm just so grateful that, you know, and, and we customize our slides for every presentation, too. We change the title every time. We change the content every time. And it's based on my my conference calls with with the clients, you know, about exactly what they want. And we do a fully customized show every time. 
what's interesting, you know, you look at the successful elements of a, of a, a high level speaker like you, and it's, it's obviously great charisma and onstage skills, but it's also a fascinating background outside of speaking. So you've done amazing things beyond the platform. You've got this, this really thorough team behind you and your, your level of professionalism is, is off the charts and you're customizing it to the individual needs of your clients. So, you know, it, it, you start to unpack it and, and this, you know, magical, mystical Robin Benacosta, like it starts to make sense because you're doing all the, the requisite things to get there. I'm um, speaking of that. I was, I was watching a video of you uh, a little bit earlier today and, and you talked about the notion really grabbed me. It said that when you're in a difficult spot, I'm paraphrasing, of course, you're in a rough spot, you're, you're in extreme conditions that instead of slowing down, your stability comes from going faster. Can you unpack that for us a bit and maybe apply that, how it works into a speaking business? Hmm. Um, well, I mean, I, I learned that the hard way mountain biking, <laughs> but it applies to, to everything in life, you know, whitewater rafting, life in general. You know, I've, I've long thought you know, just in the back of my head, like like sort of sort of depression when things slow down in your life. It's it's a lack of action. It's a lack of having made a decision um, is when you sort of get stuck. And so like the same is true in mountain biking. I fell off the bike so many freaking times because I was trying to be so careful through all the technical stuff. And then I started racing with world champion mountain bikers. And I realized that when it got more technical or got more rocky or it got to a place where they were more nervous, they would literally just go faster. They would just power through it like nobody's business. And so that's sort of a, you know, a life philosophy for me is whenever I kind of feel those sort of low points. I'm, I'm either like, okay, have I just, have I not made a decision or what's, what action do I need to take right now? Because when you let yourself stew around, um, you know, that's where depression sets in. That's where setbacks set in. And I always say like, you're never defined by your setbacks. You're defined by your comebacks. And so we're all going to have those setbacks. It's what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do with it? And so, you know, I, I totally live by that philosophy. You know, if you're going through hell, go faster. Becoming a keynote speaker is an amazing profession. The top performers earn millions in annual income while driving massive impact on audiences around the world. But the quest to speaking glory can be a slow route with many obstacles that can knock even the best speakers out of the game. If you're serious about growing your speaking business, the seasoned pros at Impact 11 can help. From optimizing your marketing and business efforts, to crafting your ideal positioning, to perfecting your expertise and stage skills, Impact 11 is the only speaker training and development program run by current high-level speakers at the top of their field. That's why the major bureaus like Washington Speakers Bureau, Premier Speakers, Speak Inc., Executive Speakers, Harry Walker Agency, Kepler, Gotham Artists, and GDA all endorse and participate in Impact 11. From interactive boot camps to one-on-one -on -one coaching, if you're looking to take your speaking career to the next level, they'll help you make a bigger impact faster. For a free 30-minute consultation, visit impact11.com forward slash mic drop. You're going through hell, go faster. You're not defined by your setbacks. You're defined by your comebacks. I feel like those are Robin-isms. What are some other Robin-isms? Oh, gosh. Um, I've been trying to think through um, <laughs> commitment starts when the fun stops. <laughs> mm, oh, that's good. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, you got to leave your ego at the start line. It's the heaviest thing in your pack. 
Mm. Um, and you can't bring it to work with you. You can't bring it on the race course with you. And oh gosh, there's there's so oh um, this is the one that ends up somehow. And I don't create these memes. I wouldn't know how to create a meme if I you know paid me a million dollars. But um, it's been picked up like on a lot of leadership um, circles, and it's uh, kind of one of the things that I sort of close with. And you know, the last video I show, and my presentation is multimedia, which I think kind of adds to the fun, is people kind of hear a concept, hear a story, very story driven, and then see the video of this team in action. And so the last video I share is a Japanese team who had a woman rip her Achilles tendon. And most teams would have just had to go home, quit the race. But they said, you know what, we want to show the true Japanese spirit. We, you know, we want to try something. And the race director let them go and they found a way to turn a backpack inside out and make it into a carrier where her legs fit through the armholes, you know, turned it upside down and made it into a carrier. And they carried her on their back up and over the highest mountain in Queensland for 12 hours. Like no trail, because we were we were right in front of these guys. So we know exactly what they were doing. And, you know, it, literally no trail scrambling up up to 14,000 feet and down the other side. And the coolest thing is, as they're coming into the finish line, the three guys who have carried her for the last 14 hours now pick her up and they put her on their shoulders and they make her the hero, you know, because, you know, she let them do it, <laughs> you know, but the but kind of one of the last statements I make is that, you know, we don't inspire people by showing them how amazing we are. We inspire people by showing them how amazing they are. And that's exactly what they were doing for her. You know, when they had her on their shoulders, you know, they were they were saying, you know, we achieve our greatest height, not by stepping on somebody else's back, but by by putting our teammates on our shoulders. Mm. What a beautiful story. And, and also very much representative of what our jo real job is as a keynote speaker. It's not to come out there and say, look at me, look how great I am, look how smart I am, look what I can do. It's not look what I can do, it's look what you can do. Yes. And that point that, that you're there to help show them the best version of themselves, not to, to, to be braggish or arrogant about it. That, that Again, that, that sense of humility, I, I'm not surprised at all that you've been so successful because I think that's such a crucial element, especially what people are looking for today. They don't want some you know overbearing arrogant bore they, they want somebody who's who's there to lift others up yes i mean it's i mean i go out and and i in my heart i'm like i want to give these people a gift you know i'm not here to talk about myself like you know if they remember me that's cool but i want i want them to remember how they felt when they left like I don't want them to be going, oh, great. You know, it's so cool to be you. I mean, I, I worked in Fortune 500 for, you know, when I was out of college and there were so many speakers where I remember seeing the audience going, OK, you did something awesome and I'm proud of you and I'm happy for you. And that must be amazing. But I didn't really walk away with anything, <laughs> you know, aside from, you know, you go. Awesome. But, you know, so when I created my presentation, I want it to be all about the feeling that people took with them and if people leave saying, you know what, I want that. I want to be that kind of leader. I want to be that person. I want to build that team. I want to be that kind of teammate. I want to have that moment in my life. And they leave with the tools to create it, you know, and to create that world-class team and the inspiration and mindset, you know, to do crazy, hairy, audacious things, you know, with a team. Like, that's when I know my work is done. Like, I love it when people come up and say, I want to run through a wall right now, <laughs> which is like, I hear it all the time. It's just a funny thing. Like I want to run through a wall right now. And I'm like, yes, 
you know, yeah, my work here is done. Like they're going to leave here, like so fired up, whether it's, you know, personally or in their business or in their life, like people just leave like on this cloud, like just fired up. Like I want to do something freaking awesome. And like, that's when I'm like, and I'm out. <laughs> well, speaking of lifting people up and running through walls, you are not only an extreme, adventurous, amazing athlete and a brilliant keynote speaker, you are an active firefighter. And, and maybe you could share a little bit about that. How long have you been firefighting? I know you're part of, am I correct? You're part of an all-female firefighting um, uh, group. Um, maybe just share a little bit about that and, and, and not only what you do, but, but sort of why you do it and what you've learned from it. Oh, gosh, I've been a firefighter for 23 years now. Um, and I just just took off for shoulder surgery. So I miss I miss my gang. Um, I I was on an all female crew for a while and it totally happened by accident. We have a bid system in the city of San Diego. So people just bid into a station when somebody else retires. And all of a sudden, one morning, we're just like, oh, look at us. <laughs> we're all chicks. Here we are. And, you know, so I guess we were the first uh, full time all female crew in the country from from what I understand. And so we had our little 15 minutes of fame and, you know, it was, it was a hoot for a while. And um, I just, I love the fact that as a firefighter, you never know what you're going to roll up on. And you just know that like, we have these skills. I have this team, we all have different talents and we're all going to, you know, no one's going to have all the answers. We just have to build a team that can handle anything. You know, not that knows the answers to everything because you can't possibly, you know, every single time you you run on a call it's something completely new and different and so you have to rely on the strengths of everyone around you to you know know their job but also be prepared to lead which you know one of the eight essential elements of human synergy the last one is kinetic leadership it's actually an acronym for teamwork so you know so people can remember it but the last one is kinetic leadership and it's all about you know realizing the difference between management and leadership you know, as a manager, like the captain's job is to facilitate all of our success, make sure the citizens are happy and safe, make sure we're happy and safe. But that difference between management and leadership, where leadership is based on, you know, talents and never just titles or tenure. So, you know, you got to let people lead based on their talents and their background experience and, and not based on what it says on their business card or what it says on their badge. And the best crews actually, you know, allow that leadership to constantly flow and change based on who has their, their stuff together, um, you know, what people's background and experiences. The newest person on the crew can be the person that, you know, that solves the problem, you know, so you never discount the new person. You know, you always figure out what are the amazing assets and strengths and talents and knowledge of every single person on this team. And I'm going to let them lead with that strength. And, you know, that's why. That's what I love about a fire crew is even the newest person, you know, can be the most instrumental person on the call, you know, with their own background and experience and the best captains understand the strengths that they have on their crew and let people lead. Earlier on, you said when you gave your first keynote, you were terrified, as many people are, by the way. And, and to me, thinking about running into a burning building is terrifying, as is many of the extreme sports that you've done. Um, what's a time that you can look back at and remember when you were truly terrified, maybe not this first speech because we talked about that already. Maybe it's running into a fire or, or, or with your team out in the wilderness and maybe sure a, a time that you were just really scared. And, and how were you able to overcome that fear and still perform at your best? 
Well, for this story, I have to remove the the at at your best part. (laughs) Just perform, which is keep moving forward. Um, Gosh, my first big race with the best team in the world um, was in in Ecuador, where we won the world championships. But in the middle of this race, we had to summit a 19,700 foot active volcano. And this was after three days racing above 14,000 feet nonstop, no sleep, you know, three days into it. And then we get to this hut at 15,000 feet and realize, dear sweet baby Jesus, we now have to summit this 19,700 foot active volcano. And, and then you know, return to this hut before we ride 250 more miles on our, on our bikes and paddle three days to the finish line. It was nine days for the win. And, you know, day three, we realized we got to almost get to 20,000 feet. And I'm, I was a total disaster, like at 15,000 feet. Cause you know, I was from sea level ish. I tried to do the tent thing, but um, you know, we were actually all pretty destroyed, but I was, I was really bad. I was blue. Um, my nail beds are blue. I couldn't breathe. And, you know, to even think about getting to 20,000 feet, I mean, I, I couldn't even wrap my brain around it. And we all looked so bad. The top two teams that came into this hut at 15,000 feet, we all looked so bad. The race doctor said, look, I'm not letting anybody leave this hut. If your O2 sat is less than 70 or 70 or less, which, you know, as a firefighter, if someone's O2 sat is like even 90, we're rushing them to the hospital, like with lights and sirens. So we're like, oh, 70 is good. Okay, it's a good number to keep climbing. So we're all going out of the hut. Like these are the, this is first and second place, us and the top French team, which was the whole theme throughout these years. And and we're putting our fingers into the O2 sat and everyone else is kind of saying 89, 90, 91. I put my finger into the O2 sat and it said 71%. And so, you know, I already knew I was dying, but now my whole team knew I was dying and the race director knew I was dying and our competitors knew I was dying. And the doctor said, you know, looked at me and said, you shouldn't go. And he said, we'll just give you a five hour penalty, you know, if you stay here. And my teammates and I looked at each other and, and, and I said, I'm, I don't want to get a five hour penalty. Can you guys, if, if you think you can drag me like to 18,000 feet, because the other caveat was if you get to 18,000 and come back down, you only get a two hour penalty. So I said, guys, can you drag me to 18,000 feet and then I'll just roll down or something. But, you know, we'll, at least we'll get to 18,000 and I'll only have the two hour versus the five hour penalty. Yada, yada, yada. We get to 18,000 feet. I have no memory of it whatsoever. I mean, they literally like, dragged me on, you know, we were roped up for glacier travel. I couldn't breathe. It was middle of the night, sideways hail. I mean, my, my O2 sat was way below 70 at this point. And, and we got to 18,000 and the race director looked at two of my teammates and said, you guys have the beginnings of high altitude pulmonary edema. You know, you, you, you need to go down. You can't keep going up. And my teammate our team captain came over to me who was contemplating going down. And he said, Rob, John and I have to go down. You have to go up. Because three people had to get to the top or we'd be out of the race. And it was the most scared I've ever been in my life, aside from almost dying in class for a whitewater in Tibet. But that moment of you have to climb from 18 now to 20 with an O2 set that was well, well below 70 at this point. I mean, the only way I could keep breathing was just to cry. For some reason, crying helped me breathe. I don't know why, but I just had to keep crying and crying and crying. And my other two teammates, 
got on the rope with me. And, and again, I have very little memory of it aside from all I was thinking was don't die, don't die, don't die, don't die. Every step, just don't die. And we got to 19,700 feet and all of us were a train wreck and we didn't even know whether we were going to be able to continue at all. And on the ninth day, we won the race. First of all, like, I, I, I don't even know what to say. Okay. Observation number one, you are a total and complete badass on every objective measure. Observation number two, I'm a flea. I feel like so bad about myself. No, I don't actually, but you're just, you're just so amazing. Wow. And, and the, and the fortitude, it, the one thing I did take away is I'm going to cry a lot more. I think you have to. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So here's another thing. This is another Robinism, but my, my, we established early on on my team that when I get to the end of my rope, when I get dehydrated, when I get like just gone ski, I was like, I'm going to, you guys, I'm going to cry. And I don't, I don't cry like, like on purpose. It just happens. You know, I just, I just cry. And, but they were just like, we don't care as long as you don't slow down, just cry while you walk. And I was like, good point. Okay. I can do that. <laughs> so that was well, based on, on your, your advice. My, my five-year-old daughter is well on her way to becoming an extreme uh, athlete uh, based on the crying volume. Just tell so, her um, she can cry as long as it doesn't slow her down. <laughs> as long as it doesn't slow her down, Talia, as long as it doesn't mm -hmm. slow you down. Um, so in our, in our last couple of minutes together, I mean, I, I could chat with you all day. You're just so impressive and humble and, and gracious with your time. Um, I wanted to ask you though about project Athena. I mean, not only are you crushing it out on the speaking scene and, and saving lives and, and fires and such, you are also uh, philanthropically minded and this is your foundation. Would you mind sharing a little bit about what got you into this, what the foundation does and, and how you're thinking about that as you continue on as a speaking professional? Okay, cool. Um, yeah, Project Athena was a was a brainstorm one day um, after I started having my hips replaced. Uh, after my first hip replacement, I I thought look, just to myself, like, okay, well, I'm not going to really be an adventure racer anymore. What am I going to do now? And I thought, you know what? I can't really walk or hike right now because I'm recovering from the hip replacement. But I bet I can get in a boat and paddle. And so all of a sudden, it clicked for me. I was like, wait there's all kinds of ways to turn setbacks into comebacks. You know, just because you've had this setback doesn't mean you're not strong and amazing. And, you know, maybe you just have to find your comeback in a different way. And I thought, well, maybe I can do this for other people. And so what we do at Project Athena is we turn people's setbacks into comebacks. So people who've endured like life altering medical or traumatic setbacks, um, they apply for a grant. And the money that we that we raise actually pays for them to train for and complete an adventurous dream as part of their recovery. So every year we take people on these huge ultra endurance adventures like um, hiking all the way across the Grand Canyon in one day. We do that at the end of August and we, and we hike back the next day. So we do rim to rim to rim in two days. We do the Zion Traverse where we hike 45 miles all the way across Zion National Park in two days. We um, kayak and ride bikes 120 miles from Key Largo to Key West. We call that the keys to recovery. Uh, yeah, so we do these like incredible ultra endurance adventures and they're they're badass for sure. But it's also something that just about anybody can do with our training program. So we started just taking survivors, but like their friends and their family and our friends and our family wanted to come. And so we're like, OK, why don't we take other people and they raise money and we call them our gods and goddesses, and they do the adventure right alongside the survivors. So our groups are like half survivors, half, you know, volunteer slash fundraising gods and goddesses. And we all travel as one big team. 
So there's no racing. There's no first and last. Like people get to experience like what they saw in my presentation, like that kind of teamwork where we're all traveling as one big team. And if you're the strong one at the moment, you take care of somebody else. You go sing with them. You talk to them. You take their pack. If you need help, you you're allowed to say you're sucking and, you know, someone, someone come help and we take their stuff and we keep people moving. And the love, like the circle of love that we create in these things is so epic and amazing. Like people accept help for the first time in their life, or they realize how strong they are after a big setback. And, you know, the coolest thing is like someone leaving home as, as the family's sick person, you know, or the person that everyone's always been worried about for however long and they come home as the family's badass, you know, after like four or five days being gone. And they're like, wait, you did something. I who've never had a setback, you know, like their family and friends are saying, I would never even imagine doing that. And you having just, you know, had breast cancer or stage four lung cancer, whatever, like, I can't even believe that you accomplished that. And it's so cool to watch the emotional mental transition from, from setback to comeback, you know, for these survivors. And um, yeah, it's the best, best, best thing in the whole world. What a beautiful place to leave the conversation. Well, a couple of things. One, um, on behalf of my partners at Impact 11, Peter Sheehan, Ryan Estes, Seth Madison, and of course, little old me, um, we'd like to make a donation to Project Athena, a modest one, I'm sure, but hopefully we'll, we'll get a little bit of help going for, for an incredible um, process that you're on. I strongly encourage others to, to check out not only your site, but also to check out Project Athena and, and consider, uh, consider supporting such an incredible cause. Um, so my, my friend Robin, uh, adventure racer, firefighter, inspirational leader, and just amazing person. Thank you for your wisdom today. Thank you for the impact you continue to make. And thanks for helping us all enjoy a little bit of a mic drop moment together. Yay. Thank you, my friend. And, uh, and good luck, you guys, everybody out there. Um, you're going to be amazing on stage and you're going to crush it just like my friend, Josh. Talk about some mic drop moments. Robin is an absolute force of nature, inspiring, generous, compassionate. A few things that really grabbed me in today's conversation. Number one, even as a keynote speaker, which appears to be an individual sport, Robin's focus on teamwork and collaboration has allowed her to reach the top of the field. Number two, with all her accomplishments and records, Robin has earned the right to be arrogant. But instead, she's the total opposite. Robin isn't there for the accolades or applause. She's there to lift others up and show them what's possible. She helps others become the best versions of themselves. And in the spirit of generosity, that's what makes her an irresistible choice for bureaus and meeting planners alike. And number three, Robin's ability to transform painful setbacks into victories, it's just remarkable. And she inspires us to flip our own setbacks into comebacks. Next time I'm in a tough spot, I'll follow Robin's advice that stability comes from riding faster. You can tell a lot more about a person by what they give than what they get. I was already a super fan before I learned about Project Athena, but seeing how Robin pours her resources back into the world to help others sets an inspiring example for us all. Whatever our own endurance challenges may be, we now have a new set of tools to power through and win at the highest levels. All thanks to the remarkable, resilient, reflective, resolute, and radiant Robin Benincasa.
Thanks for joining me on another episode of Mic Drop. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. If you love the show, please share with your friends. And don't forget to give us a five-star review. For show transcripts and show notes, visit micdroppodcast.com. Mic Drop is produced and presented by eSpeakers. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Impact 11. I'm your host, Josh Linkner. Thanks for listening, and here's to your Mic Drop moment.